Hello and welcome to Human Hop Podcast, episode 118. Today we will be continue the, continuing the Inspired by the God series and I will be going over Seif. But before we get into that, I want to go through the station news. So if you want to visit the website, feel free to do so. That is at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. There you can find the show notes and podcast page and you can subscribe to the RSS feed on the podcast page so you do not miss a podcast. Since they come out monthly, it's easy enough to miss them. You can also send me emails at humanhoffpodcast at gmail.com. I'll try to get around to checking those and returning them. Uh, Oh, and you should check out Steve's book. If you have not, just go to amazon.com and search Stephen Oaks or follow the links and the show notes. My book is also on Amazon. Again, you can follow the links and the show notes. So I think that is everything that I wanted to say. So let's jump into talking about Seif. Seif is, of course, Thor's wife. Um, there's a story of how Steve, how Seif loses her hair, where basically it's cut off by Loki as a practical joke, and then he has to go to the dwarves and get her hair, to get them to magically make more of her hair out of uh, uh, gold, spin it out of gold, and then they put it on her head, and it magically grows. And, and that story is important because I, I think, and I, this is not my idea, I had a kinsman come up with it a very long time ago, but I thought it made a lot of sense. We have the idea that Seif has, you know, really, she's known for her beautiful hair. We know that she has beautiful golden hair, and then it's all cut off, and then after a period of having no hair, she gets this magical golden hair put back on. And it is reminiscent of... Um, crops because you know first you plant crops in the spring and you wait for them to grow and by the harvest time depending on the crop I suppose but oftentimes they're like a golden collar which reminds us of golden hair and then you harvest them you cut them all down but that's okay because next year you'll plant more crops and the idea is the story of Seif's golden hair was sort of supposed to be evocative of the cycle that our crops go through. It reminds us of the nourishment that we get from the earth and the fact that we need the earth and the fact that everything is cyclical. And I don't know if that's reading too much into it. Personally, I don't think it is. I kind of think that's what they were going for. But I understand that everybody can have different opinions on that. But thinking about that and also thinking about the fact that Seif is a harvest goddess, even if that's not exactly what they were going for, that is something that I think Seif reminds us of. And in that same story where Seif gets her golden hair, there's actually a bunch of other objects that are procured for the gods. There's sort of a contest that two sets of dwarves have um, ultimately, to, ultimately for Loki's head. Uh, and and one of the gifts is the golden hair, but then you've also got another gift being Mjolnir, which that one's just extremely important because it's it's Mjolnir. It's the the thing that Thor uses to protect the gods and people from the giants. And there's there's Drapnir and there's a golden bursting. A bunch of other really precious magical objects are made in there. And the, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because it is ultimately because Seif has to have the new hair made that the gods get these other gifts. And I think that kind of just like underpins how 
important it is. And then that, if we're going with my analogy, underpins how important like the whole crop cycle is. And I think it's pretty obvious that crops are important because um, that's how we live. I mean, we starve to death if, if we didn't, well, not necessarily, but it'd be a lot harder to m live if we didn't move into agriculture. I think that's one of the things that's really important in human development, like in the large scale, that we move away from the hunter-gatherer society and into like an agricultural society, which I suppose there's pros and cons of both actually. But to really grow as a species, I think that being able to farm and moving into farming was really important for us. And I think Seif is the god, or the goddess rather, that is most connected with that idea of farming and, and what it means to embrace farming and that cycle. So I guess on two levels she's important. First of all, the whole the whole farming thing where you plant crops, let them grow and harvest them is very much part of that life-death-rebirth cycle that nature is. It's, that, it's very much that cyclical cycle, which I feel like I talk about a lot. But also it makes other things possible. Farming makes it possible to settle down in one place because before then people had to kind of move around depending on, you know, where the where the food was. If you're hunters and gatherers, you're sort of dependent on whatever you're hunting and gathering. And you're, you're a little less stable, as in your like geographic place of origin is going to be a little less stable. Whereas when you move into the farming thing, you really are able to settle down in a single place and, and live in that single place for a long period of time, which I think is important like in the evolution of the species, I guess you'd call it. I don't know if that's the right thing, but it's definitely a different way to live when you're able to really put down roots and decide that you're going to stay in a, a certain place. And uh, yeah, farming is, farming is very much a big part of that. So in that way, Seif ends up being really important because she can sort of uh, let us be more connected to, to an actual place. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, feel like, I feel like that's probably important. That's when you started having the idea of homesteads and family property and everything else like that. Because if you're moving around all the time, you can't really have family lands so much because, the, because you're always moving. But once you're able to settle down, it makes sense to have family lands because for one thing, you can pass on the farm to your children. And, and then they can benefit from all of that work that you've done as well, which I think is a really important thing. And you know, that's, since this is inspired by, that's one of the cool things that we kind of don't have so much anymore is the idea that like the family farm gets passed down from generation to generation and you you will be planting and harvesting crops like your grand like your like your parents did and they were harvesting and growing the same crops that their grandparents or their grandparents before them and then and so on and so forth it really like connects you to a piece of history and i don't think most of us have that anymore i certainly don't i'm not i don't live on a farm let alone a family farm like we don't even we don't really have a family farm that's been in the family for that long 
like, you know, we sort of do. My grandparents had a farm, but my parents never farmed that land. And even if it gets passed down to one of us kids, it's, it's still not that continuous thing because my parents never farmed that land. So if it's passed down to, I don't know, my brother, let's say. Well, it's not, and then let's also say he farms it, which I don't think is likely, but let's just say that it's passed down to him and he farms it. It's still not that connection all the way to my grandparents because my parents never farmed the land. And it used to be it would go from generation to generation, and not only was it passed down, but it was, it was something useful that was passed down. I'm afraid when I pass things down to my kids when I die, it's just going to be like stupid trinkets. It's like, oh, here's a watch I really love. And I'm not trying to put down people who pass down watches because I do think that's a cool tradition. But it's going to be like, oh, and this was your grandpa's watch. Because I have some things of my grandparents and I like them and I'm, and I'm glad that I have them. But they're like keepsakes. They're not like this is something that's actually going to be my livelihood. But you had a period in time where you would basically pass down your livelihood. Like you were a farmer and your child took over the farming business and that is how they supported themselves. And I think that is really cool. Now, on the other hand, I don't like the professions my parents chose and I'm glad I don't have to do them. I would rather do my own profession because I like it more and that's why I chose it. So maybe I'm looking at the past uh, with rose-colored glasses. I think that's the cliche, but um, I'm looking at it nostalgically. I, I don't think that's really what I want. I wouldn't really want to be handed a family farm because I don't want to farm. Like, I respect farmers, and I like the idea of farming, but I don't think that's really my, uh, what do you call it? That's not really a talent of mine. That's something, that's not the best use of what I'm good at. I suppose. So I'm not saying I wish that my parents had ran a farm and then handed the farm down to me so that I was a farmer today because I don't want that. That's not what I'm going for. But I do think there is something cool about farming and I really think there's something cool about passing that farm down from generation to generation. I, I think also today there's a big push for individuality which is not bad but like I don't want to live on my I don't want to live in my parents house or I don't want to live on my parents farm because I want to be my own person I don't want to live in the shadow of my parents and I think that's a good thing I think it's good that people want to be their own person they don't want to live in the shadow of their parents but on the other hand, there's less connection back through to your parents if if you're not like literally doing the same job. So I guess there's there's good and bad things, and there is, I think anyway, some part of us wants to like have a strong connection with our parents, and inheriting the family farm would definitely be that connection. Something that like we do that our parents also do. Or you know, maybe it's just a hobby. Your dad's into, I don't know, fixing cars. I'm just doing my own family here. Like your dad really likes fixing cars. So you fix cars and you guys can talk about fixing cars and that's a fun thing that you can do and he kind of taught you how to do it so now you have a connection there. But I don't actually like fixing cars. I, I 
would much rather send it to someone who knows what they're doing. I find no joy in fixing cars. So like, what do we do in the modern age to have this like deep connection with our parents and even better with our grandparents? And I mean, I'm older, so my grandparents are, are not alive anymore. Um, but it would be cool if there was something that, like, let's say, my grandma passed on to my mom, who then passed on to me. But I don't actually have that. And I think that's unfortunate, that, that you don't have, like, something that you do that becomes more important because it's been passed down from generation to generation. And I guess you could always start one. I kind of talked about this in the traditions episode where I'm trying to like do a gingerbread house every year. That's a classic thing that normal people do. And I never did that as a child, but I want to do this thing where like I have a ginger, I do a gingerbread house every year. And then maybe if I'm lucky, my kids will do that with their kids. And then when they're doing that, uh, they can say like, oh, your grandpa used to do a gingerbread house with me when I was a little kid. And then all of a sudden you have like this connection further back in your past. And I, I think that's really a good, a good connection to have and a strong connection to have. Where I don't really have a whole lot of those with my parents. I mean, you know, I, I like my parents and I'm close to them or whatever. But I don't have a thing that like this is the hobby that I share with my parents. My dad really got into like model trains, which is cool. And I did that for a little bit, but they ended up taking up so much room that it, 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 it was hard to keep up with it. And I didn't really ever get that far into it. And I always sort of regret that because I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I had this cool thing in common with my dad? But even that's a little tricky because he wasn't into trains when I was a kid. It's something he's gotten into after he retired. There's really nothing that that I personally have, like that I do with the kids that the parents did with me, besides like really generic dumb stuff like, I don't know, I give the kids a bedtime and my parents gave me a bedtime. But you know, like real things, some unique tradition that other families don't have that we do have. I don't have any of those, and that's sort of, that's sort of a bummer. And it would be cool if we were in a situation where we could go back to having those like deep ties. And what tie would be deeper than actually your livelihood? Like, oh, my parents was my, my mom was a blacksmith, and now I'm a blacksmith. Like that would be so cool. And it did kind of used to go that way, at, at least with farming. Uh, still does a little bit. Uh, there's a few farmers that I know and like they're going to pass their farm down to their children and I think that's super cool. But I wish we could do that with more industries but it's just not the way industries work anymore. Like what am I going to do? Tell my kids like oh well you get a villain for me at work when I die? Like that's not that's not how job markets work. And and, and also, what am I going to do? Be like, oh, well, you better love programming because that's going to be your future job. That that doesn't seem right. It seems like you should let them have their own freedom to do whatever they want. And there's so many stories from back in the older time, especially when we were transitioning out of just like passing down our careers, where people didn't want that. Like it's a classic story like, Oh, our family has always been carpenters and now you're going to go do something else. And 
And it's always a thing, like the kid doesn't like being a carpenter and he wants to be a singer or something and the parents aren't supportive because that's not what the family always does. And that's not positive either. So, 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 so what am I saying here? I guess that I'm saying I really wish there was some other way besides passing out down our actual career that we could have like a super deep connection to our family going back generations. Um, the whole like sharing a livelihood would be great in a lot of ways, but I can't, I don't think you should actually force your kids to do whatever you did in your life. So though that had pros, it also had a lot of cons and that's maybe not what we should do anymore. So what's the replacement? I mean, that's a real good question. What's the replacement to really feel like you connect to your family when you don't have, when you don't have, um, your livelihood? And I don't know what the answer to that is, uh, but but certainly there is one. Uh, maybe it's through your hobbies these days. You know, actually, my dad did spend a lot of time reading, and he always encouraged me to read. And now I like reading. Um, similar taste in books, too. Like, he read a lot of science fiction and westerns. And I read science fiction and fantasy and literature, like Steinbeck. I guess that's literature. Um, so like we have some pretty big overlaps, like science fiction is our biggest overlap actually. Uh, and it's nice that I can talk to him about books cause he's read a lot of the classic science fiction. I can talk to him about Heinlein or Asimov because he knows those names. Um, and, and that's really nice that we have like that hobby in common that we can talk about. And, and, you know, maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's the thing that connects me because I think my grandpa did a lot on my dad's side again, did a lot of reading as well. So there is sort of that thing that goes down through us, um, of reading, which that's a cool one. And I'm also, now I'm reading to my kids and trying to get the girls into reading because, you know, reading is important and it, it's a really good hobby that I hope they pick up. So maybe that's what we do these days. We do like our hobbies. And when you think about that, oh, that's interesting because I think a long time ago, it is more the case that you were your job, like you are a farmer. Where I wouldn't describe myself as my job. I wouldn't say, oh, I'm a whatever my job is, like I'm a plumber or I'm a programmer and that's what defines me as a person. I would say if someone was like, if someone said describe yourself, I would not mention my job. I would say, oh, um, I am a person who likes to read and play video games and play D&D and uh, having imagination is important to me or something like that. You know, I'd come up with these things. But if I'm describing myself as a person, I'm not going to say, oh, I work at this organization and I do this task while I'm there. I feel like we've become alienated from our labor. And, and I, don't, I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to disagree. Probably... Sorry, <laughs> um, it's Freudian stuff. I'm not saying everybody has to agree with me. Maybe some people derive their meaning of life from their labor, and that's not bad. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you're wrong in any way. But 
I, I think maybe a long time ago when we were more connected to our labor, it was easier to identify with the labor. Like I am a, a farmer and that's who defines me as a person. But I feel like in the modern society, especially like Generation X forward, it's less important what you do for your job. Like your job is the thing that you go to to make money. And and I mean, now there's an argument that that is bad because you're spending eight hours a day in your job and you're not necessarily enjoying it. It's not your main passion. It's not who makes you a person. So that's bad. And if all you cared about was work, you'd be happier because you're spending the majority of your time doing the thing you care about, which is work. And I think that's fair. That's a fair argument. Um, and you know, it's the classic saying, if you love your job, you'll never do a day of work in your life, which I don't think is true. Because no matter how much you love something, sometimes you just don't want to do it. And you have to do it anyway, if it's your job. But I think there's a good argument that if you really just like throw yourself into your work, and you get joy out of that, and you relate to your work, and let yourself be defined by your work. You'll be happy because you spend a lot of time working. And like that's fair. I don't want to say you're wrong. However, I feel like there's also a sentiment that we're not just our work; that we're these other things. Like the big thing that defines us is not work; it's what we do in our spare time. Maybe we'd love to be an author. There's definitely people I know who are in that camp, and they spend their time writing books and you know they're good at it but you you can't you can't make a living off writing books and you can't make a I mean obviously there's you know it's like it's like being a rock star you can't make a living off being a rock star unless you happen to be the rock star or the author who's discovered and then and then you can but being practical being realistic you can't make money you can't make enough you can't make enough money to live off writing books or writing music or making video games. All of those things are, unless you're really lucky, going to be like side things that you do, but they define you as a person more than than your job does. When people ask what's important to you, you're more likely to say like writing or music or making games or, or whatever. You're more likely to say that than your job because the thing that you do because you want to do it is just inherently more important than the thing you do because you have to do it, I suppose you'd say. Um, and I feel like that is a change that like has happened societally over time. And again, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing because it's very easy to say like, well, that's a bad thing because most of the time, most of your time is spent working and that's not the thing you love to do the most. And it's like, okay, that's fair. But also... If your hobby is the thing that you're really passionate about and it's really important to you, we're able to be a lot more diverse. Like back in the day, if if you can only, if, if the thing that makes you, you, is only practical things like farming or blacksmithing or shoemaking, that really limits how many things you can do. Because you have to, if your job has to say who you are, you know, there's only so many things that can be jobs. There's some things that can't be jobs. There's probably a lot of things that can't be jobs. What if your passion is reading books? You can't, how would you ever make money reading books? And I, I'm sure you could come up with an obscure thing like, oh, you could read for Audible. It's like, okay, yeah, I guess. But realistically, you're not going to make money reading books or 
playing video games or watching movies or any of these other things that you can be extremely passionate about, but there's really no way to make money off of them. Or thinking, maybe you just like to sit around and think. And that's your passion, to think about the nature of the world. Well, you can't make money off of being, you can't make money off of that, but that's okay because we have this kind of society where your job and your identity are separate. And I, I think that there's a good argument that they should be separate. So you can be passionate about whatever you want to be passionate about, and you're not like trapped into this defines who I am. And I mean, I think the bigger one is back in the day when you were, when you inherited the family farm, you didn't really, or you inherited the family business, you didn't really have much of a choice. It doesn't matter if you're passionate about farming or not. That's who you are. And there's a lot more choice today. And I think choice is always a good thing. Um, so that was kind of really rambling. I'm going to go ahead and try to bring it back to my main point. And I, yeah, I, so, so I, I think that we do sort of miss something now that like businesses and farms are not passed down from generation to generation because we miss that deep connection with the family, whereas our actual livelihood that connected us. And I think that's unfortunate, but I think that to a large degree, you can replace that with other things that you're passionate about, be it reading or some hobby that you have in common with your with your parents and your, your grandparents or, or whatever. And that can kind of replace that to an extent. And I think that it's good that we can all do whatever we want and we're not sort of just burdened with whatever our family members did. We don't have to take the same path that our parents did. We don't have to have the same jobs. We don't even have to have the same passions. We can really be our own person. And, and I think that's, I think that's really good. And also, uh, farming is important that whole life death rebirth cycle is something that we always have to keep in mind all right i think i'm going to end it there uh thank you everybody for listening remember you can always check out my website at huganhoff.org that's h-u-g-i-n-h-o-f.org and i will see you next month for hell. <laughs>